Hello, everybody, and welcome back to DDK Pod, the podcast where three guys who founded an IT company talk IT industry news and topics that interest us. My name is Julian Day, and with me, as always, are my two co-hosts, Jatinda Candola and Will Dalton. How are you guys? Good, thank you. Hi, everyone. Hello. Good. How are you, Julian? I'm all right. Yeah, not too bad. Good. So straight into the news. Yeah, yeah, that is good. I know, thanks. <laughs> so straight into the news, I will go first this week. Why not? So AWS, AWS has had a big outage. Oh, dear. Not again. Hooray. So... I <laughs> I realize that uh, regular listeners are probably getting bored of me singing this song, but it really annoys me because I do a lot of cloud stuff at the moment. And this, yeah, this one is a, another great example of why you shouldn't just rely on the cloud to solve all of your problems all of the time. So uh, in Tokyo, uh, there's been a major AWS networking outage in the AP Northeast One region of Amazon Web Services. So there was a significant packet loss problem, which basically means bits of data are being lost and things are grinding and moving slowly and that kind of stuff if you're not so technical. And it took down a bunch of services for about six hours, which in cloud computing terms, when you're hosting lots and lots of people's very expensive stuff is an age, you know, it's a long time for stuff to be down. And then Amazon continued to cover themselves in glory after this this outage happened by putting out the notice about it in Japanese only. (laughs) So anybody who didn't speak Japanese, who was platforming their stuff in that region for whatever reason, and there were quite a few fintech organizations like banks and payment systems and share traders and stuff who are over there from other geos on the planet they then couldn't read it without going through google translate or whatever so it's your friend it it is your friend but it's never perfect and japanese is not an easy language with the kanji and everything to to translate from accurately you say there's no problems with the data center is that how it translated it uh, I, I haven't run it through Google Translate, if I'm honest. I know, sloppy, <laughs> not enough fine. research. Yeah, all, all is fine, all is well. Probably anyway, so, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just another one of these cautionary tales. We had one with the data center fire in France not so long ago. We've now had this one. It's just a plea, really, I guess, for people to consider their BCDR options, their backup and disaster recovery options, because just being in the cloud doesn't mean you're safe. So, yeah, anyway, I just thought it was interesting. It's still the data center with servers, isn't it, and network devices, which go at the end yeah. of the day, yeah, it has to be, doesn't it? There's got to be some physical tin somewhere. So, yeah. It's just someone else is doing it, not you. Just someone else's problem. But even they are not immune to, even Amazon, with all their money and all their resources, are not immune to outages. So you've got a plan for them. And um, it frustrates me how often people don't when they're using the cloud. And anyway. it should be easier to plan for DR. Because I remember pro- projects we used to do back in the old days, or maybe me, I don't know. <laughs> DR was always the first thing to go when you ran out of money on the project. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't worry about it's it. always a yeah. toss-up between that. <laughs> it's yeah. always a toss-up between that and testing, isn't it? Yeah, testing of some sort, yeah. What's the first thing but to how go? how often yeah. have you tested a disaster recovery, a, a business continuity uh, plan? Um, <laughs> uh, Very rarely. Quite rarely, but I have I have, have on done. occasion. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, done. I've test, I've done BCDR tests before, but it's as you say, it's more the exception than it is the rule. I think it doesn't get anywhere near as much attention as it should, if you rightly say. Anyway, should we move on to your new story then, Will? Oh, go on then. So mine's about it's an article in the Tech Republic. Although there's been articles all over the place about this, so it's happy thirtieth birthday to to Linux. Jack Jack Wallen is the author on this. He basically explained how Linux changed his life, which uh, is maybe over it slightly. <laughs> <laughs> know, Sounds Linux like a great is, read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Linux changed my life. Now, now. Was, but, hey. <laughs> we are a technology podcast. There are a lot of true, nerds who are true. going to be listening to this. And Linux, Linux was a game changer, right? I mean, it's it's the only thing that's really yeah, stuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm not saying it wasn't a game changer in terms of the industry, but uh, in terms of personally changing my life, you know, it was, uh, but maybe the birth of my child is slightly more important, but who knows. Linux based on Unix, 
been invented by a guy called Linus or Linus, maybe, I don't know. Torvalds. Linus. Linus, 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 Linux. How do you pronounce it? Linus, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's interestingly, that's why it's called Linux, because it's Linus is Unix well, and you, cr- yes, you crunch the yes. two words together. Yes. So, yeah, based off Unix, lightweight, bulletproof kernel, used now, really, it's conquered the enterprise. You, you know, every web server now uses Linux. It's all over cloud platforms. It's all in Internet of Things. And it's at the heart of containers as well. Um, interesting enough, maybe that something's been not publicised is the fact there was an American element to the Linux operating system because actually Linus only invented the kernel, which is like the core bit of the operating yeah, system. Now, yeah. operating systems come with gazillions of other software and libraries and all the rest of it to make it work. Mm. And an American outfit called GNU, which yep. is which is a recursive acronym. GNU is not Unix. They created all the libraries as well for the for the first and continued to. The, the Linux operating system. Hence why sometimes you see GNU, GNU Linux or GNU Linux, if you've well, ever seen it, yeah. when you download stuff for an operating system, sometimes it says GNU slash Linux. And that's the reason why. They're, they're an important part. Of yeah, it. I mean, there's lots of different distributions, aren't there, of, of Linux. You've got your as Debian's well, yes. and your Ubuntu's yes. and your, all this, you know, XF, uh, XFCD or whatever it's called. There are many, many, many of those. But yeah, it's it's also, I guess, it's it, was it really the birth of open source? At the same time, is that what really brought it brought open source no, into the it mainstream? Was, it was it, it used open source, but you can tell yeah, I'm not old enough to remember yeah, any of this. Open source was around before then. But I suppose open source was one of the reasons why it proved to be so successful. It was competing with well, it's Windows. the open source OS, isn't it? It's still it, open it source now. All of it, even the kernel. Absolutely. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's carefully managed, but but mm-hmm. it is open source still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, open source in terms of. It's free, but in terms of you can use the software and change it so long as you make available that that particular software to to the community as well. And then interestingly, Red Hat commercialized it in terms of they wrapped it in a support model, create Red Hat. A Red Hat Linux distribution. CentOS well, OS is the Red Hat, a, a Red Hat free version of that. It's in- interesting, isn't it? Because it's it touches on other things as well. I'm pretty sure that Android is based on the Linux kernel. It isn't is. It, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. Without realizing it, you know, millions and millions, tens of millions of people, hundreds of millions maybe all over the world are are using Linux every day without realizing they're using it because you know it they've is. got. Linux-based OSs on all sorts of different devices, from tablets to all kinds of things. It's remarkable, really. So happy birthday, Linux. Mm -hmm. JK, did you want to do your news story next? Yep. As most people will know, in the news, there is a lot of pressure. The Chinese government are putting on their Chinese tech firms, especially those that are on the stock exchange. So one of the largest online retailers in China called Pinduo Duo, their shares have jumped up by 22% because they pledged to donate one and a half billion American dollars to the farming sector as a charitable pledge. So what's quite surprising is that this figure of one and a half billion dollars is a sum which is more than all of the money that they, that they have ever made. But they're doing it to take pressure off themselves as a Chinese tech firm that government are trying to crack down against. Awesome. Great stuff. So today's main topic is uh, what we'll move on to next. And this is all about uh, modern day managers and jargon and all that kind of interesting stuff. So I guess over to you, JK. So how this came about is that uh, Will and I were discussing a Economist article, which is kind of the focus of context that we'll put around this discussion. 
which is around why do businesses use so much jargon? We started talking about that and we're both talking about how we can relate to having experienced that in some of the clients that we've worked in, where there's a lot of jargon going on uh, at the management level. And then we explored whether or not managers are commonly effective in the modern day world because they're bogged down by such things as the excessive use of jargon. So with that in mind, I'll probably talk a little bit about the Economist article just to give everybody some context. So there's a, a phrase that I took from the article that kind of sums it up, and that goes a little bit like, it seems that as soon as managers start to climb the corporate ladder, they begin to lose the ability to talk or write clearly. They instead become entangled in a forest of gobbledygook. Can you guys relate to that at all? <laughs> well, I think it's also important to say we are managers as well sometimes, yeah? So we're not we're not having a huge pop at anyone who's in a leadership yeah. position. Because <laughs> especially there, you, JK. I mean, you're practically on the board of what we're doing at the moment. So, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I mean, I guess the listeners can make their own mind up about how much gobbledygook we talk. But yeah, it's not really a go at having a go at managers, is it? But it's definitely something I can relate to. I mean, there are there, I've got hundreds of anecdotes ready for this. Um, but, yeah, do, do managers speak gobbledygook? because they don't actually do anything <laughs> yeah, yeah great thanks well i was just trying to be diplomatic to, about all yeah. that. <laughs> well i'm the tonic to you That's okay great. so anyway sorry carry on Jatins. some of the reasons for this that have been explored in the article i'm just going to rattle through five of them so one of the reasons is that if managers have nothing to say sometimes using elaborate words or jargon allows them to make the mundane sound grand i can certainly see <laughs> that has but it's not just managers, is it? I mean, I know people who are engineers who do Why that all the so time. Why are you so defensive about managers, Julia? <laughs> it's all right. Don't worry about it. Because I'm trying, to, I'm trying to offend all of our <laughs> listeners equally, not one particular yeah, subsection of our right. listener base. Well, we're offending managers this session. I'm sure we offend other groups in other sessions. <laughs> well, no, but my point is, right, that this, this doesn't just happen with managers. It happens with techie people all the yeah. time. Like yes, There are a couple of people does. I could name yes, who, who literally their favourite tactic is baffle with bullshit. So they yeah. just will talk Absolutely. technical gibberish yeah. to people who are not technical. And that makes them seem like they're doing some stuff or, or, or that it's but all very our focus complicated. Is on, but our focus actually, and the article is in The Economist, so I think it does lend it some kind of way, is that why at a certain, when you reach a certain level within a company, yeah, around senior leadership team, does business speak become more prevalent? Yeah, Absolutely. And, and, and yeah. we're not saying that gobbledygook isn't spoken at, at all levels, including yeah. including in technology industry in general. I mean, we're, we're definitely guilty of that. But this just to add a bit of focus to it. So the next reason that was put forward was that service-based tasks are difficult to define. So the use of imprecise terms to describe them becomes more common because it allows them to sell something that isn't as tangible or physical as what isn't a service-based task. So that one I can kind of understand, I think. So they've had to create language to, to help them describe what they're doing. The next one is the use of overblown language has become absurd practice where the business may be prosaic and such. It starts to add fancy words at the end of what it actually does to make it sound a bit more kind of special. So one of the examples that the article explores that what used to be a flooring or carpet company has now become a flooring <laughs> covering solutions company. So the word solutions being the, the easy thing to tag on to it to make it sound a bit more elaborate than what it actually is. It's all a bit focus groupy, isn't it? 
Yeah. We we workshopped 20 terms and we came up with, you know, solutions because solutions isn't, yeah, no. Oh, and then on, everybody's please. using solutions. Yeah, straight yeah, away. everyone God, does. I used yeah, to be yeah. a solution architect. Well, yeah, I mean, didn't, didn't we just? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure why it's like, I'm now, but... It's like the whole, again, not to pick on anybody, being being diplomatic again, but it's like the whole, I work with a guy at the Harpenden Collective, actually, where we co-locate with some other businesses. Oh, be nice. And, That's like um, free publicity for them. It is, but they, they deserve it. They're very good. Anyway, not yeah. my recommendation for the podcast, but but still good okay. if you're in the Harpenden area. Anyway, I work with a guy who's a specialist recruiter in the recycling and waste management industry. And he was chatting to me the other day about how he no longer recruits bin men basically he recruits like refuse collection technicians yeah. or whatever yeah. and just going That's shame it's not engineers i'd call them yeah. engineers actually rather than technicians yeah i mean he was just saying like the the job description titles mm. they have to put on things these days he was just having a bit of a laugh about it and going mm. it's just crazy and then the next point that uh, the article kind of uh, explores is that people like to appear fit to manage so if you speak the lingo you're often deemed to be qualified to rule because it allows you to add mystique and weight to the image of what you do as a modern day manager so once managers start using these terms they then get littered across all of your corporate documentation and then the junior staff start to just buy into that because they want to look and feel like the manager rather than asking questions because they want to move up the ladder. So I guess this is a culture thing where we're starting to kind mm. of bad habits have really changed the, the sphere of how people work and how they talk and describe things. And then the final point, final reason that is offered is that the world of technology is becoming more commonplace across business. So there is a foundation level understanding of certain terms like software and hardware. However, they then get overlaid with all of the self-help type of movements, which then opens the door again for even more complex terminology that floods the business than ever before. Because technology has managed to kind of widen the horizon of business with new terminology. There's all these other things now coming in off the top of that and flooding the market. Wow. This is this goes back to this whole concept that we have of everyone's a technology business yeah. these days, doesn't it? So even businesses that typically have had their own lexicon, you know, their, their own set of terminology and their own way of doing things. And in my career, I've come across some organizations which have such a language barrier that they're almost impenetrable. I think BT was the worst place I ever worked for that. Everything was a three-letter acronym and you just needed a huge sort of dossier of them or whatever but now that there's such a technology bent i guess to everything you know it's to whatever your company happens to do you also do technology that brings a lot of technology terminology with it which can yeah. be pretty baffling so in summary the point of the article is to highlight that the obscure use of language suggests that people aren't thinking clearly which is in turn bad for business because they don't actually understand what's going on and this is affecting the quality of decision making therefore making it harder for managers to be effective pretty much so i guess that kind of covers off the main points but i think what might help is if we were to try and kind of explore some of the types of jargon and terminology that we've come across <laughs> <laughs> oh i can't wait this is gonna be good and this is probably the best time for one of you guys to take over <laughs> talk us through your experiences do you want to go first will i can do yeah i'm just wondering i was just thinking about how technology has influenced the language that is used i was wondering whether just that's how language evolves is that new mm. things come in yeah. and that actually you just have to have new terms to represent something new because you can't describe it using existing language 
Mm. So there is a there is an element of that that, that where technology is, is driving the language. And really it's up to people to keep it's maybe a bit of a mass generalization, but I'm going for it anyway. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it's up to it's up to people to keep up to speed with how language is evolving within business. So that I think that's one point. And then the second point is that yes, there's a lot of crap that's said. I'm just gonna go through I'm gonna go through some some of the things that yeah, that you see. Some of the mumbo jumbo or gobbledygook as you called it, JK. Are you going to put it into sentences? You know how, got, <laughs> you know how kids like, in America they do those kind of spelling bees. <laughs> let's look at this. Let's look at this holistically. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Anyone heard of the term holistic? Yeah, holistic approach to something. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So that, that's used. That's used. Holistic, I suppose, is let's just consider everything. Yeah. <laughs> so why Pretty do much. you say that? I'm not sure holistic needs needs to be said. Or cross pollinate. Oh, yeah. there we go. Yeah. Cross pollinate. Oh. Oh, of course, your cross pollinate means let's involve other people. Does it? Does that what it means? Oh, let's, right. let's it's usually a people. sign that something's going to get contaminated by something else. Or the or it's often a sign actually that someone doesn't understand their scope. Uh, yeah. I've found stuff like yeah. that is often people just not knowing what the hell their project's trying to achieve, and so they're like, "Oh, that sounds good. Let's get some of that in." You're like, "Not." <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I still haven't got to the bottom of that one. Or no. something, I don't know, this one sounds vaguely pornographic, but thought shower? I don't know. <laughs> it sounds vaguely pornographic to you. I'm not sure. <laughs> what is a thought shower, though? Do you fancy a thought shower, uh, So now, Julie, now let's we're... have a thought shower. Uh, oh, I don't, together. I don't really want together. to have a thought shower. I mean, let's I like... thought shower together. I like you, mate, but uh, uh, I mean, so this this takes us into the realms of absurd business speak, doesn't it? I mean, this is yeah. this is where you get the. Re- I mean, I've had some absolute crackers in in my time, and I was genuinely once in a meeting with a guy who said, <laughs> "Who said I'm going to run this one up the flagpole and see if you salute it?" No, yeah, unironically, unironically, without laughing. Did he say that? Was there serious? was no hint. He was 100 percent serious. He thought he was being really charismatic, and then there was another yeah. guy, and he genuinely. It's awesome. a lot of sort of military metaphors, but. Another guy who went, I'm just going to, and then he paused after he said gonna, and he mimed pulling the pin out of a grenade and throwing it into the middle of the conference <laughs> table. And he said, drop an idea bomb on you. Oh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so stuff like that is, I mean, I, I, my personal, I guess my very reserved British way of doing things, you know, there may be other people around the world who go for that kind of stuff, but I, that, I immediately balk at that. That causes me to lose significant respect for somebody who does things like that. And that may just be me being really judgmental and, and inappropriate and not professional enough, but it does genuinely, stuff like that, I think, detracts a lot, but I don't think that's really what we're quite talking about here. I think, I think the other thing, though, that I was going to say on what you were talking about earlier, J.K., particularly with, and what you were saying, Will, with the new language, is that for me, there's kind of two subtle subtleties to this. So particularly in the area of technology-related language, the problem you often have with, with managers, or I sometimes have, is that, as you said, people do often see it as their responsibility to keep up to date, Will, but they're not specialists in this stuff. So they will read a bunch of stuff and think they often people will think they get it um, with a with a relatively high level pass or they'll start trying to use the language um, that, that more technical people will use but mm. they will um, it will become malapropisms basically you guys familiar with a malapropism no so it's basically where you use you think you mean one thing but you say another basically so you use the wrong word which sounds yeah. similar but you comes from a character called Mrs. Malaprop in an old play who did, does it the whole way through the play, and it's a big source of amusement. And basically, yeah, so so you might say, oh, I, d- I don't know, I can't think of a great example off the top of my head, but 
um, essentially you, you just you, you slot one word in, which sounds kind of similar, but you actually mean something else, and you don't mm. understand that you've made a mistake. And so I get I get that all the time, particularly around cloud stuff, around different types of architecture. And the other thing you get is people who are not necessarily managers, but are in a different discipline. So people who are more business analysis or something along those lines, who go and you know do a training course or something on on uh, cloud architecture, and then think that effectively makes them an architect. Uh, and I'm using quite old-fashioned language here because those roles don't really exist in our industry anymore. But you, you know what I'm saying. It's that kind of, there's a danger with language, particularly technical language and jargon, yeah. that you get yourself into a spiral where you don't realize that you're talking nonsense. <laughs> and, and that happens a lot. And it's not just the crazy, you know, flagpole metaphors and stuff. It's genuinely people trying to put their best foot forward, but yeah. just getting bamboozled by the whole thing. And, and that is dangerous, I think. In, Sometimes in that level of assumed knowledge is part of the culture because people are so busy and they just want to move things forward and progress. They just get into those habits that that assumed knowledge, because I think I know what that means, what that word means and what the context of what we're talking about. I just need to get this done. So well, there's also social pressure, isn't there? So there's yeah. a when you're in a room and someone says something, everybody else has, a, has an inclination to nod. Yeah, even if true. they don't understand yeah. what's being said. And I get a lot of that as well, where people mm. will say something and I'll think within you know, my own brain, if it falls in my area of specialism, I'll think, well, that's not right. But no one else will say anything. Yeah. <laughs> They're all just like, oh, yeah, 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 good point. And I'm like, no, hang on, what? That doesn't make sense, you know? And, and that kind of stuff is why I'm very unpopular. <laughs> so, <laughs> generic terms as well. I think there's some just terms now that people say that, can, yeah. that cover a whole different gamut of different stuff like you know cloud is now anything about hosting technology somewhere yeah ai yeah. ai is anything that involves some form of automation agile yeah. oh god almighty that's like oh, anything boy. about involving yeah. delivering software do you know what i mean these, no. these are real high level terms not just software everything has to be agile now. it doesn't matter yeah. what it is yeah. even if it's absolutely gigantic and oh yeah, yeah. no that really annoys me the agile thing because a lot of the time, it's not well understood what that term actually means and what it's really correctly for. But yeah, again, it's it's a sort of it's a buzzword that's caught on, isn't it? Yeah, and I guess that kind of misconception that agile is a license to do whatever you want and not document, <laughs> not govern, and all of that kind of seems to be very common play in management teams. Well, also interestingly, that that is govern governance and govern is another is another thing that comes up a lot because I've started saying a lot. Governance is not a dirty word. Yeah. to people without really realizing that I'm talking about the language yeah. because very often people will treat it when you start talking about governance you can just see their eyes glaze over and they're like oh god why would we do that that's going to get in the way of delivery no no it isn't that's going to give you a successful delivery but people that word has started to have negative connotations that it probably didn't when I started my career however many years I think ago. it's got bad press hasn't it because yeah. governance before yeah. was about ivory tower dictate from above and like for example from senior technical managers who were far removed from the delivery of of uh, products you know the, the coding and the testing the hands-on delivery they were far removed they were seen to be in an ivory tower dictating to others about how things should work and there were boards and you had to attend these boards and you had to align to this that and the other mm. without really one being involved in the delivery because you know decisions need to be made on the fly 
on the people with the by the people that are doing stuff you know if you're if you're detached from that it's for, it, it just seems to be kind of a, a, a it's it's an irrelevant mandate and and seen as a as a hindrance to the efficient delivery of software but actually that's why people use framework as actually governance really it should be really lightweight but it should be about ultimately writing things down mm. uh, and making <laughs> yeah, and, and, sure. and making sure that the decisions you're making on the fly aligned to a grand, you know, the grand plan of where we want the business to go and that you're not doing things that deviate from that. Yeah, agreed. Yak yeah, shaving, yeah. by the way. Yak shaving. Yak shaving? Wow. Yak shaving okay, is a phrase, that I do, that's a phrase I do like. Yak shaving ultimately means staying focused on your task. How often, right, do you have, you know, at the beginning of the day, you say, right, I'm going to do this. You know, this is your outcome. And in doing that outcome, you get, you get sort of misled by reading one particular article, yeah, because yeah. you're researching something, and you click on, oh, that sounds great. You click on it, yeah. And sometimes you're about twenty steps removed from actually the task that you initially thought you were going to do in the first yeah. place. That's termed yak shaving because yak shaving is just it's such a useless thing to do. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You end up doing something that's just so so detached and so so um irrelevant to the task in hand that that is called that is called yak shaving yeah no i mean i i see a lot of examples of stuff like that i mean it's the old sort of you you know you start reading wikipedia and then four hours later you're still there and about 25 links later <laughs> it's, it's that that whole you know youtube rabbit hole where you can just disappear into exactly. the algorithm yeah, for a yeah. couple of hours yeah, or whatever yeah. but i think i think another thing that's interesting is the whole i'm not sure actually that the the style of management your organization employs is much different so sorry makes much difference to to how this can have a corrosive effect so if you look at something like matrix management which is where effectively you're man your you have a bunch of verticals and horizontals so you've got you know sort of products on the horizontal and then you've got different managers effectively oh, on like the management speak Jillian. Uh, on the verticals there you go so effectively yeah but but a, ma- a matrix ultimately is kind of like a grid right so there's not many ways i can explain this i wasn't this, complaining but... about matrix it was the verticals and horizontals <laughs> i was struggling with okay yeah cool fine yeah good good <laughs> Good call out. Thanks very much. Um, but I, I'm still, I still don't know how else to explain it, really. So you've, you've basically got multiple products which report to multiple different uh, managers, effectively. But it's a common problem across all of that. I mean, the traditional, you know, functional or division-based management, or what have you, or having one single line manager who is your, the boss of your whole world, it doesn't really change the problem in a lot of ways to me. I mean, those are those can be very efficient management structures, but again really you're you're into the same diminishing returns if you've got this language barrier coming up yeah. and and people understand different things from the same terms yeah. so aligning your organization and your your language is quite important i think and it's it's obviously something that we try to do is is strip out a lot of that jargon so that there isn't so much opportunity for ambiguity and that's something that i often try to do within my project i think meetings as well is an interesting thing oh, well it's that's a whole part- different topic in and of itself isn't it why the more senior you get, senior as in, I suppose, a hierarchical management structure, as opposed to you just getting older, <laughs> do you need to attend more meetings? And suddenly your whole day is filled yeah. with meetings. Now, I don't think particularly, you know, when someone says, I've, I'm so busy, I've got back-to-back meetings. My takeaway from that is, well, what are you actually doing? Yeah, what, how can you do any work? What value are you actually adding? And why, when you're, say, a junior programmer, you're there probably delivering a lot of value in terms of new capability, 
and and you attend the fewest fewest meetings. Yeah. I guess it's um, partly to do with moving from a doer to a thinker or a leader or an organizer in some ways. So traditionally, I think that the doers spend the majority of their time actually doing. So whether it's the coding or the capture of requirements, all that kind of stuff. And then they are then feeding up that information up the chain all the way up to a point where somebody can think strategically in terms of how all of this comes together and what the the next stage of it all is and where it's all heading and what the value we're going to do and get out of it and starting to kind of bring it all together. So that's traditionally that was the model, but it seems to have kind of have conflated to the point that that misuse or misunderstanding of what's actually going on due to the use of bad terminology and language means that more and more of people from the doing level having to come back in to re-explain things mm. and then get drawn into the 50 meetings a day and culture uh, and therefore the productivity is gone that could potentially take us down the rabbit hole of and it's maybe a good topic for a future podcast actually of how doers are gradually transformed into managers and whether or yeah. not that's actually a good thing but i think we'll probably have to leave that topic there because we're getting a little bit short of time so yeah interesting any closing thoughts from you guys before we do recommendations quickly at the end I like the term promoted to the level of your own inadequacy. <laughs> you would. <laughs> You'd love that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we could do an entire hour on just stupid terminology that we've heard over the years, no but doubt. whatever. We'll move on to the recommendation section of the show, if we may, at, uh, at this point. So, uh, Will, do you want to go first this week? Okay. So, KiwiCo. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of KiwiCo, an oh, American nope. company that delivers what they call crates each month to your door and in that crate is something for kids to use to innovate and you pick a a line of interest so you go onto their website you pick a line of interest like science or art or whatever Mm -hmm. Um, you pick your age group and you get from them a monthly delivery around a particular subject within your category that they choose and there are lots of projects that you can do that the kids can do on their own or with your with parents or together with other kids and they're a bit off the wall projects as well with it but aligned to the aligned to the category that you've chosen so you can create a pinball machine <laughs> i'm not quite sure and maybe that's related to science i'm not quite sure but you can create a, a pinball machine create a, create your own book you know in terms of the the, the illustrations and the, and how you structure a book in terms of the characters or so create your own football football table tabletop football Create your own theatre, you know, with all the characters and all the rest of it. We're all related to this category that you get as a surprise each month. I've been doing it with Archie for probably about a year now, and he's so into it. Really grabs his attention, brings me in when when he needs to be, and it's something that he looks forward to every month and sort of supplements the stuff that he's learning at school, but much more practical, much more hands-on, much more to do with real life. That's my recommendation. Can you select an age range for the boxes? So, because obviously what you give an eight-year-old would be very different to what you give a four-year-old. So on the website, yeah, you'll go in, select your interest, select your age range. Uh, And then your your kind of price, you know, you can say, I only want an ad hoc one month. Or you can say, okay, I want a 12-month subscription or a three-year. No, it's costed and priced accordingly. How much is it-ish per month? Oh, now you're asking. I want to say about seven or eight quid a month. Oh, wow, that's super cheap. it's It's not a lot. And you get, and the value you get from actually the engagement of your child in that particular subject oh, is, yeah, is yeah. worth every penny of that. 
Mm. Brilliant. Oh, okay. No, that's a great. I'm actually going to go and check that out because that might be good for William. I'll put he's it going on Twitter. To... I'll put it on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, yeah. You should yeah. do because he's he's nearly three now, so it's the sort of thing that he might get into. Yeah, that sounds, sounds great. like all my nieces and nephews know what they're getting for Christmas. Really <laughs> <laughs> happy to help all sixty of them. You'll be that. You'll be that uncle who buys them educational presents. If you do that, I'd be careful. Can they share it, JK? <laughs> So it's only seven quid. <laughs> Not all 60 of them, no. <laughs> no, okay. JK, did you want to go next? Uh, yeah, so um, I'd like to recommend etc. Venues. So, Oh, yeah, yeah, good good shout. Yeah. We as DDK uh, recently hired out one of their facilities, a, a room for a workshop for a day, and it was really, really nice, and it was good quality, very well set up. It had everything you'd expect to need for a workshop, good food as well, and we used a branch in Holborn in London, and it was really nicely kitted out. And the surprising thing is the value for money, the price. We've probably most people have probably tried out etc venues in the past and i've probably been to one a few years ago and they probably weren't as nice as what they were recently when we went so i just wanted to recommend that that we found it to be a very pleasant experience yeah i definitely say it's it's better value for money than most of the places i've I've tried quite a few of these places now as part of our company and and yeah this is it was great i was really impressed nice food, food, food was really good yeah, yeah. yeah. Food was definitely a high point, wasn't it? And also their customer service was great because we booked a location in Victoria, I think it was, and it got flooded yeah. in the recent uh, London flash floods that happened. And they they moved it, sorted it all out really quickly. So I thought yeah. they were great. Okay, so me finally, um, I'm actually going to steal a recommendation that Will gave me about three years ago, <laughs> something like that. Grow a uh, for, no, I, I am not doing that. No, trying. <laughs> I, I seem to be making some progress in that area, but it's uh, it's oh, taking its fun. time. Well Join the game. Um, no, Lifefix, Lifefix Lights. So this is oh. your echo, Will, because uh, I, I was about to invest in Philips Hue and then you went, don't be daft, and pointed me at these. They're brilliant. I've got tons of them now. My house is covered in them pretty much, and my garden. It's got a bunch in there. <laughs> they're really good. They're basically, they're unlike a Philips uh, system, which uses a low power sort of standard of Bluetooth to connect to all of its its uh, bulbs and you need a sort of base station thing plugged into your router these things literally just go in the light socket they go straight on your wi-fi and they're very very bright if you get the the decent models i've been using them for as i say probably two three maybe, maybe at least three years i think now and they're great you know you can do hundreds of different colors on them they link into alexa my son absolutely loves the fact that you can change the colors and have them flash in mm-hmm. time to music and do all these kinds of things he learned nearly all of his colors as a two-year-old from endlessly making us change the Lifex lights to different colors so that was how he Brilliant. learned what they were all called uh, so actually they are they are quite quite cool you can do that's a all really sorts clever of... idea actually i like that yeah yeah, yeah. you so can that... visualize the colors around exactly it exactly so you i would change the colors when he was getting ready for bed at night in his bedroom because he had one of those bulbs on the ceiling and that is literally how he learned all his colors was going through different you know, primary colors and stuff like that on the Lifex bulb. Yeah, they've, they've got all sorts of effects. You can do things like schedules on them so that they'll come on sort of 1% in the beginning of the morning and then gradually ramp up to in the winter to give you a sort of uh, sunrise type effect. They're just great. They're really good. They're a good quality product. Their product support's quite good. I've had one of them go wrong under warranty so far, and they've been pretty good about sorting all that out. So yeah, L-I-F-X, Lifex lights. And I think, perhaps that's it. That's the show. So uh, thanks very much. Um, If anybody wants to get in touch with us, you're more than welcome to do so. We'd love to hear from you. We're available on ddkpod at ddklimited.com. That's ddkpod at ddklimited with limited spelled out in full on the old email. We are ddklimited on Twitter 
and on LinkedIn with Dalton Day Candola. So uh, yeah, give us a shout. Thanks very much, boys. And uh, we'll talk to everybody next time. Thank you. Cheers, Al. Cheers. Sorry for nicking your recommendation, Will. (laughs) Go for it. One thing, I don't know if you've got screw in or bayonet. I have bayonet and they've got these these two. So watch out for bayonet. They've got these two little pins, you know, that hook it into the socket. Mm. Now, they're very, they snap like a bayonet really easily. Now, with an old bulb, it didn't really matter. But with a 70 quid bulb, it's a real... (laughs) Pain in the how, how it, hard are you turning these light bulbs? I've well, never managed know. to break any of mine. Yeah, well, I did. I, sna- I snapped one little, one side snap for whatever reason, but it's such a minor thing to yeah. render the whole bulb useless. Do you know what I mean? Down. It's really yeah. frustrating. Really frustrating. Frustrating. Yeah. Should have said that maybe, but hey. I, I haven't broken any of them. I think that's just no, generally you being an orangutan, surely, <laughs> rather than <laughs> punching your way I, in. I was, Literally, chewing, ah! I, was, I was chewing the end. Oh, God.